hello and welcome to another of Political Yeti's politics podcasts. I'm James Miller and this is my first election special. Um, for the next three weeks I'll be recording in various pubs. The idea was to uh, generate a bit of atmosphere. Um, certainly this week uh, it mainly generated quite a bit of background noise but still be able to hear uh, me and my guests talking. Um, alongside me each week for these election specials will be uh, political editor of the Birmingham Post and Mail, John Walker. And uh, we'll also have various other voices along, uh, MPs, pundits, uh, maybe even some members of the public if we're feeling particularly brave. Uh, this week there's um, a little clip from Labour MP Rachel Reeves. And we're also joined by a pundit, a pundit with a list of titles as long as your arm, frankly. He's a former Lib Dem spin doctor, a internet supremo, he's a digital project supremo at Archant, the local newspaper publisher. He's got his own podcast, the East London Football Podcast, uh, and his name is Matt Withers. Yeah, we talked about all the different uh, parties, how they're getting on in the election campaign. We also talked about uh, hovercrafts and hipsters and dogs uh, amongst other things we started off by uh, talking about the Tories they've had a good week and John Walker was uh, making the point when we joined the conversation that uh, Labour in such a bad way that uh, the Tories will be effectively allowed to rule unopposed talking and editing talking and editing unopposed Conservative government could be a horrible, horrible thing for this country, even worse than perhaps it is now. Oh, no, no, no. Right, well, let's let's talk about the Tories. Um, let's start on that point. This Tory government knows they're going to win. We know they're going to win. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be sleazy like the old days. <laughs> it's going to be full of crazies. It's going to be a roller coaster ride. I think it's going to be great fun. It, right? It will certainly be um, interesting. Um, yeah. Beyond that, I'm struggling. Ah, I think it's going to be great fun. Um, let's talk about the Tories' week then. Um, pretty good because none of them are going to go to jail for fiddling the last election. That's right. So if she did call this election on the basis that she thought there was going to be lots of prosecutions, that was a bit silly. Yeah, which but, she didn't. Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, she went on the one show and got out alive, which is really all you want from these sort of awful. Um, you know, soft sofa interviews, and uh, she won in Birmingham, John. Yes, the Conservatives won in not Birmingham. My friend bit in the West Midlands. Big Birmingham, was the very call. important though. That's, that's even worse. That's even worse. That's big Birmingham. That's why. That's why I'm <laughs> She won in the West Midlands the uh, contest for the first ever West Midlands regional mayor. Very close. Only just beat Labour. Labour yeah, should have so. walked it really. Labour's got most of the MPs, uh, nearly all of the councils, wins the elections for the police and crime commissioners, uh, about two to one, pretty much. Twice as many people vote Labour as Conservative normally. But this time, the Tory and Ice man called Andy Street, who used to run John Lewis. The British Donald Trump, that's what they call them. <laughs> yeah, well, he's a businessman. Yeah. Um, right, did they win because Andy Street is a great man, and he is the British Donald Trump, or did they win because Sean Simon... His Labour opponent is a big, fat, flippin' idiot. They won because Andy Street was a fantastic candidate. 
if you're going to be a Tory in Birmingham, then be Andy Street. That's the best type of Tory. Nice, liberal-minded businessman, around John Lewis. Uh, gay as it happens. Uh, not going to frighten anybody too much uh, because they're going to assume he's not a, an evil right-winger. Um, Sean Simon had problems. The uh, Unite Union withdrew funding, partly because Sean is Tom Watson's mate and they don't like Tom. Yeah, um, Sean Simon's problem was he's Sean Simon. He ran a campaign based on let's take back control of Birmingham. He went, oh look, take back control worked well for the Brexiteers. I'll have that, which is just dumb. I think there's some truth in that. And also he said that he would campaign to get the government to abolish the Barnet formula. Now, you know, Ooh. you Ooh. know, I know. Where's Rob Merrick when you need him? There's no chart. The Barnet formula is a system that ensures basically that Scotland gets quite a lot of money. Um, to put it very crudely. Yeah, right. The government cannot abolish it because of the vow during the Scottish referendum. He said something that he knew was... Mislead. It was basically not true. I mean, he said he would campaign for an end to the Barnet Formula, which I guess was true, but he knew it would never happen. It was a false hope that he was offering people, and it was dishonest, I have to say. He's mediocre. That's the thing about Sean Simon. That's why when he was an MP, he was nothing. He was involved with some one of the plots to get rid of Tony Blair or Gordon Brown. I can't remember which one. Tony Blair. He was. He's really mediocre, isn't he? I, I once met him uh, of uh, all places, um, the BDO World Professional Dart Championship right. um, at the Lakeside. And at the time, I think he must have been a junior minister in the education department because he was walking around trying to promote the learning of maths in later life, clearly thinking that people who watch darts, wow. of which maths is an important yes. part, would take to being approached at this lengthy drinking session and be encouraged to perhaps go back to college. Um, I obviously I, I don't have the expertise. I, I did. I was quite impressed by the headline on your paper, which was Coronation Street, oh, um, which, which I think is one of the better that. headlines of, of recent times. I actually listened to um, a local hustings that the pair did for a national paper that they later produced as a podcast. Um, and what I found of um, Sean Simon is it was absolutely insipid. He talked a lot, like you say, about taking back control, um, about fighting this government, um, about having a mayor with proper labour values and all these kind of things. And Andy Street was talking about what he would do and what expertise he would bring to this role. And I got the impression that Simon almost thought he had this kind of wrapped up. I don't know if, if, if you... Do you well, feel he that did at first, yeah. That, that is what he thought. Um, towards the end, I think Labour realised they were in trouble, but for a long time they thought it was they were going to win and uh, they couldn't really lose. They should have picked a better candidate, let's face it. Andy Street had, you know, the John Lewis thing. Everyone loves John Lewis, right? I mean, in Manchester, you had Andy Burnham, who... It's a scouser. Anybody who's dealt with him knows it's not that an impressive character. But he's got a profile, he's got a name. Sean Simon has a nothing. It was more interesting people up for it in Birmingham, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Who did he beat? Who did he beat? Well, this is another issue. Um, the Labour nomination, Sean managed to, and all credit to him, this was. He didn't do anything wrong. This was smart politics by Sean. He got the whole thing sewn up. He used his role as a Labour MEP yeah. to basically campaign for the Labour nomination to be the Labour candidate for mayor. Other people who might have gone for it include uh, Ian Austin, Dudley North MP, uh, Gisela Stewart, the uh, Edge Passion MP yeah. who's now retired, yeah. uh, Liam Byrne. Hang on, hang on. She's not Edge Passion MP who retired. She's a Brexiteer who is now running away from the chaos that she's created. 
next. Geisler <laughs> uh, is actually a, a fantastic MP who did a lot of good for Birmingham, in my view. Uh, and Le- what, by taking it out of the EU? Is that good for Birmingham? I can tell you a lot about Birmingham's New Street Railway Station if you want me to. Yeah, but, she's um, doing a lot of good for Birmingham by taking it out of the EU and then running away like she is because she's going to get beat. People voted for Brexit. I don't understand the idea of attacking people for campaigning in a referendum for what they believe in. Everybody, that's what she they're meant to do. Lent credibility to the EU campaign because the, she the believed Brexit was the best thing for this country. That she she not, campaigned for what she believed. Was, who is it? Boris Ledson, who are crackers. Giesler. People went. Oh, well, no, if she's on their side, maybe, it's maybe no they're not use, as, as It's no use having a referendum and then complaining when people take part in it. That's, but if blame the person who held a referendum, David Cameron, don't blame the campaigners. Not been a Brexiteer. The lineup would have been Ledson, Bojo, and Kate Hope, and everyone would have gone. Brexiteers are all crackers. I'm not voting for she, that. She sincerely believes it's the right thing for this country. I tell you something about. And now West she's Midlands. running away from it because she sincerely believes it so much. Well done, Gisela. Anyway, yeah, so she's not, she's not mayor. And Elliot uh, Burr. Basically, Sean stitched up the nomination. I don't mean that in a bad way. He did a good job. It's a getting rubbish it. lineup, isn't it? It's pretty well, if Liam had got it, obviously Andy Street would have got there's no money left over and over again. And that would have been Andy Street may not have stood if Liam had got it. I don't Why think not? Andy Street would have stood. What? Because he's the mighty titan that is Liam Burke. No, because the, he's quite impressed by Liam. And, and Andy is not a career politician. He's not ambitious in that on. sense. He, he stood because, honestly, he, well, he genuinely... What you mean is, he wouldn't have had to stand. Yeah. The Tories could have put up a donkey and a blue rosette as long as it could say there's no money left over and over again. And it would have beaten Liam. Liam, I think, Liam's a good mayor. guy. I've got a lot of time for Liam. But he would have been destroyed. I think Liam would be mayor if he had stood. He'd be the candidate. Liam, there's no money left, but... I tell you something. Liam lost the last election. David Cameron just got up at the last election and kept going, there's no money left. Aha, was that funny, Liam? David Cameron literally had a note. It was a photocopy, actually, but a photo of the note that Liam Byrne left uh, for... Who was it for? For David Laws. <coughs> it was for David Laws, um, yeah. When Liam was a Treasury Minister under Gordon Brown, and yeah, the note yeah, said, the I'm very sorry, there's no money. Yeah. He didn't actually say no money left, just to be pedantic. Um, Cameron had a photocopy and used to get it out in the 2015 general election and wave it around. Liam Byrne, this isn't well known because the cameras didn't pick this up, sadly, a bit of history that was not recorded. At the count in Birmingham in 2015, Liam Byrne apologised to the Labour Party. This was in front of everybody yeah. and cried on stage. Talking and editing, talking and editing. So there's the Tories. Um, Labour Party not having such a good time of it this election, let's be honest. And indeed, uh, sort of in some sort of representative way, the sound quality uh, went a bit wonky for some of this uh, part of the chat. But uh, I certainly think it's worth including this first bit because uh, there's some good insight from Matt Withers about whether Jeremy Corbyn really wants to be Prime Minister or not. Talking and editing, talking and editing. Look, we, we all know Jeremy Corbyn doesn't want to be Prime Minister. He would hate it. He, will not, he does not want to be woken up at five o'clock in the morning and go and chair a Cobra meeting, being briefed by senior military officials because there have been unusual movements in the South China Sea. That's not what gets him up in the morning. He likes going to Brighton and having 500 people chant and clap yes we can while he waves at them. Um, he doesn't want to move into Downing Street, he doesn't want to work seven days. Well, that's good, because he's not going to. No, he's always said, yeah. <laughs> um, this is, everything that they're doing now is ready for the next leadership campaign. You just look at where, they, where they've been launching as a campaigning. 
Uh, the day of the Labour launch, he did several what should be rock-solid Labour seats in Greater Manchester. Sunday, John McDonnell was doing an event in Bethnal Green in Poplar. A- areas which are rock-solid, it's all about making sure that he gets a nationwide percentage at least equal to what Ed Miliband's got. So, day after the election, him and James Mill go to the party and say, look, we performed as well as Miliband did. Uh, we deserve the right, like Neil Kinnock did, to have a second go. And then he's got four or five more years to strengthen the left's grip on the party. Labour splitting. Yes, Labour's going to split, right? Yeah, I can't see this happening because the odd thing about Labour, and this isn't applicable to any other major party, is the, 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 the way the people and their MPs feel so emotional about it. You know, the way you hear somebody like Andy Burnham put his hand on his heart and talk about how much he loves this party. You know, there are any prominent Conservatives talk about how much they love the Conservative Party. It's just a vessel to them. Whereas for, for people in the Labour Party, they feel as emotional as you or I might about um, our family or our, our football team. It's kind of the third part of the Troika for them. Talking and editing, talking and editing. We talked a bit more about, uh, indeed, the state of the Labour Party, what's going to happen to it after the election, after the inevitable loss. And um, as Matt says, there are people on the Corbyn Easter wing who are already getting their excuses in early for that result. Talking and editing, talking and editing. Is it, a lot of them are making excuses. If you go on to Twitter, which is always terrible advice. No, but, no, no, no. But you, that's you, where all the, the If you listen, are. already you've got the, um, the Corbyn Easter's making excuses about the Blairites and the hashtag chicken coop or chicken coop. I'm not quite sure how they, how they pronounce it. But actually, if you look at the so-called Blairites, since the second leadership election, they've pretty much shut up. Yeah. You know, they, yeah, they, yeah. they haven't been, they're accused of undermining them at every opportunity. They've actually just gone back and worked their constituencies hard. They've not really been popping up in, in, in the media. They've kept themselves to themselves like a, you know, yeah. like murderers. I think they took a, <laughs> they took a deliberate decision to keep quiet so that they couldn't be blamed. So that yeah. their hope is that when they lose, people will finally sort of wake up and see the light and realise that Corbyn hasn't worked. But I don't know if that will happen. I think Corbyn supporters they they may kind of realise that there's something wrong with him, but they'll want somebody like him to replace him. They. They're always going to believe that he was betrayed by the Blairites, by the PLP, and by the BBC. I think he'll go. I think he'll he'll leave when he gets beat. I think it's talk. David Cameron said he would quit after the EU referendum. Yeah. Within hours, he's like, right, bye, I'm off. Deal with this mess. I think this is slightly different. And if Corbyn goes that project is potentially over. I mean, it depends um, how many MPs he got because that will affect the 15% of, yeah. the, of um, MPs that would need to get a, another person from the hard left onto the ballot. But I think with Corbyn, it's all about them. He's, he's been fighting for this for 30 plus years to, to have the hard left having control no, of the Labour no, Party. No, he hasn't though, because he didn't even fight to get on the ballot. He just did it for a lie. Well, it was his turn. Yeah, he didn't fight. He didn't go, oh, I really want to get the ballot and win this. He wasn't fighting at all. He just went, oh, well, all right, it's my turn. Yeah, I mean, what? I'll dress like words of government. (laughs) They'll vote for me. Oh, God, they're all voting for me. And then he ends up. I think he does believe now, now he's become leader. He believes he has some sort of mission. You're absolutely right, but I think that changed once he won. No, he doesn't seem bothered at all. The general consensus truly is that he's a hostage. 
Sheamus and John McDonnell are keeping him there, there may be some truth in that but then they may keep him on after the election if they believe that if he stepped down uh, a Yvette Cooper or Chuck Ramuna would take over or even a Kia Starmer um, I don't think they would allow it I think they would browbeat him and tell him how important the project is I mean one theory is that uh, at the Labour conference the so-called McDonnell amendment would be moved which would uh, lower the threshold of the number of MPs that you need to, to nominate you to stand for leader and that's important to the left because it would allow a left candidate to get onto the ballot. So Corbyn may try to stay on until that conference. And the other thing is, um, if he stands down immediately, Tom Watson takes over. The deputy leader would take over as acting yes. leader. Yes. Well, no, Tom Watson no, no. Would be <laughs> well, that would be good for Labour. But I don't think Mr. Corbyn and people like Mr. McDonald and Seamus Milner, you mentioned, would allow that to happen. Um, this is actually uh, a work of genius. They're really clever, these companies, because it's whispered that the so-called McDonald, uh, McDonald Amendment will not pass. So the way to get around that is to lower your number of MPs, and then the threshold isn't so high because you don't have to get so many people. And that's what he's going to do in this election. Man's a genius. When you put it like that, he's, he's clearly the greatest political strategist of our age. As promised, um, here's a bit uh, of Rachel Reeves, uh, an actual Labour MP, uh, a very senior Labour MP, a former Shadow uh, Chief Secretary to the Treasury and former uh, Shadow DWP Secretary. I spoke to her at an event last week that she was at launching uh, the Loneliness Commission's um, campaign on male loneliness in particular. Joe Cox set up the Loneliness Commission with uh, Tory MP Seema Kennedy when she first became an MP. Um, obviously, unfortunately, she was uh, tragically murdered last year. We spoke about that on uh, the podcast last week. When she died, Rachel Reeves took over as co-chair of the Loneliness Commission. And uh, I spoke to her about the uh, campaign, uh, a little bit about loneliness and about her own leadership ambitions. Talking and editing, talking and editing. Uh, I don't think the question is whether the candidates are more of it or whether the electorate might be. Uh, but no, I've been spending the next five weeks knocking on doors, visiting local communities. I've really enjoyed talking to people about their concerns. You find out uh, um, in uh, election campaigns more than yeah. other times exactly what is uh, going on because you're out and about every day. Whereas the usual life of an MP is that you're in Westminster yeah. for half the week and now full time life. Experiencing, uh, I suppose it feeds into the loneliness thing in a way. If you're knocking on doors, um, you're going to find constituents who yeah, so you know, are isolated. One, way, of the, one of the reasons why Jo uh, Cox originally became interested uh, in this is that she saw it very starkly in her constituency. Yeah, okay. So people didn't have their lives, but she got on someone's door. That might be the only person that, that person would have contact with uh, all day. The MP or the councillor knocking on the door. And obviously you'll be well placed to make this top of the agenda when you're leading the Labour Party in about three months' time, <laughs> right? Uh, well, let's get through the uh, uh, election first. This is going to be a, a, a tough election, probably uh, the toughest start of my job as a parliamentary candidate. And so the most important thing for me is getting through uh, June the 8th and getting back to Westminster. You're not really out. Not really out. Talking and editing, talking and editing. So as you can hear, she basically laughed in my face 
when I suggested she could be leader of the Labour Party in the not-too-distant future. But, you know, stranger things have happened. I wouldn't rule it out. We did talk about this on the podcast. Uh, Matt suggested that uh, Rachel is uh, a class act, but she's got no hope of getting near the top of the Labour Party at the moment while it's run by Corbynistas, who he uh, suggested some of them were £3 dog on a lead member, uh, dog on a string members, I should say. And um, that led to this uh, rather strange conversation about uh, dogs on strings and hipsters. Oh, I should just not have pets. If you went round, if you went round, Dalston or Clapton now, it will be absolutely full of people with asymmetric haircuts walking dogs on streets. No way, hipsters don't have pets. Of course they do. They're far too self-obsessed to have a pet. No, you've got to, you've got to have a pet for an Instagram strategy, haven't you? Have you? Yeah, because you have. I've got an Instagram strategy. You're an internet supremo. You know about these things. That's what you missed out. Get yourself a dog. Get yourself an Instagram strategy. Get yourself a piece of string. Have you got a pet? No. You got an Instagram strategy? I've got an Instagram account. I mean, do you insist your newspapers have Sorry, a Did you say you've got Instagram accounts, plural? No, 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 no. Accounts. Accounts. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know why. Why would you have more than one Instagram account? Well, some people have one for themselves and one for their dog. And uh, one. Hey? Yeah, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I know somebody who's got, got one for her cat. Yes. Yeah. Oh, but a cat can't take pictures. That doesn't make any sense at all. And so we come to the Lib Dems. Uh, again, sound quality went a bit wonky here, perhaps again, because they're having a, a bad uh, campaign. The sound quality seems to uh, um, reflect how well each party's doing on the election trail. But obviously Matt is a former Lib Dem press officer. So I asked him uh, about Tim Farron. Talking and editing, talking and editing. Did you meet Tim Farron in your previous life? Uh, yes. I mean, Is he a nice man? He is. He genuinely is a, he's a, a very pleasant guy, not really got an edge to him. I think he really is what you see is what you get. He speaks in that kind of strange 1950s wizard and chips tone. Um, but yeah, he's a, he's a nice chap. This week, he went on a hovercraft and fell down a toilet. <laughs> that basically sums up Tim, Tim Farron's week, yes? Have you ever been on a hovercraft? Yes, I have. Have you? When yes. did you go on a hovercraft? I got a lot. I think it was a child at the time. Yes, so it was quite exciting. Actually, to be honest, where did you go on your hovercraft? It felt just like being on a boat. Where did you go? I think I went to um, to Belgium. Hovercraft? Oh yeah, no, you used to be able to go up like Ostend or something, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, oh well, that leaves you with the question, Matt. Um, have you ever fallen down a toilet? <laughs> I've never fallen down a toilet. Oh, that was quite good. Yeah, uh, sorry, I'd live on live on the issue with uh, an hilarious anecdote there. But live on uh, live on Sky News, Tim Farron was on his battle bus, fell down the hall with the toilet. He didn't actually fall down the toilet. It is interesting this this Lib Dem campaign because I mean, you know, John, you probably heard me say this like about a week or ten days ago. Worth putting a pound on Lib Dems being the official opposition after after June the 9th. Now, luckily, I never got around to putting on a pound. I think I'd be more inclined to put a pound on Lib Dems having less than 10 seats after June the 9th. Yeah, I um, think you may be right. What's, I, I, but I can't quite see why they haven't achieved liftoff. Is it just because there isn't that 48% there isn't people willing to listen? I think it's because, um, well, firstly... The, the, the votes that they're stacking up, um, that we saw in the local elections, weren't heavily in the areas where they needed them. 
Yeah. They've got about 18% of that, but a lot of that were in areas where really they just didn't need to get in those roads. They needed to be concentrated in those few areas, South London, the, the southwest, perhaps Cardiff, um, bits of the north, where, where it needs to be. Um, and also, I mean, the, this conservative juggernaut pulling in all these UKIP votes, it's going to make it very, very yeah. difficult in those areas that two months ago the Lib Dems were talking up strongly. They really were take, to, talking about taking back all those constituencies in the southwest they lost. You look at the council results, you look at where those UKIP folks have gone, and then it certainly becomes, you know, a much harder setting to play on. Talking and editing, talking and editing. And then there's the SNP. They are doing very well, let's face it. Uh, we'll talk about them a bit more next week. Um, again, we had some sound quality issues, so I don't really want to subject you to um, me talking about the SNP on my own at great length uh, when you, I sound like I'm uh, speaking on a mobile phone in a bath or something. Uh, we'll discuss the SNP at more length next week, but certainly... Uh, here's a, a quick summation of uh, where they are at. Talking and editing, talking and editing. Uh, it's a strange business. It's got the press all very excited about the Tory surge. But the SNP has still end up with four times as many seats as all the other parties put together. And yet the narrative is going to be somehow how peak that has passed. It's, it's frankly rather strange. A lot of the SNP like to go, oh, Tories, as if this is some sort of swear word that will frighten people off. Um, you know, it's been a lot we have had. I know an SNP generation only lasts a few years, it turns out, after the last independence referendum. But an actual generation is actually 30 years. It's quite a long time. Politics moves on. Talking and editing, talking and editing. Finally, uh, a new feature. It's called He's a Stupid Guy. Sounds a bit rude, but I discovered this uh, this sort of jingle thing on uh, my uh, iPad, which I think my daughter might be responsible for, uh, and one of her friends, or one or more of her friends. Um, but it gave me an idea for nominating who is the biggest diddy on the campaign trail e- each week, basically. So yeah, here's the new feature and uh, the first uh, nominees. I'm a stupid guy. She's a stupid guy. I'm a stupid guy. She's a stupid guy. Um, yeah, he's a stupid guy, the stupidest person last week in the general election campaign. Any any nominations? Yeah, um, Labour MP, I think it's in the shadow cabinet actually, Barry Gardner. Oh, um, good choice. Do you need to say any more? On Twitter, uh, retweeting and, and praising a, a blog post which um, accused a, a BBC journalist of being horribly biased because of who her dad was. I, I just think this... The way certain Labour MPs are attacking the journalists and the BBC for some reason. I mean, we should be proud of the BBC. I just think it's mad. It makes them look stupid. This was Barry Gardner who got very upset and he got sacked from the Environment Department but wasn't told and only found out when he turned up and his past didn't work at the department. Is that right? And then Gordon Brown made him special envoy for forests <laughs> just to keep him happy. I think, I think that's Barry Gardner. It, but so, Barry Gardner is one of the, the very few Labour voices we're hearing in this campaign. So yes. we, we, we get John McDonald, Diane Abbott or Barry Gardner. Yes. So somebody has, has come up with the idea that these three people are such clearly electoral catnip that there's yes. no need to put anybody else up. Uh, or nobody else is willing to do it. Well, Whatever the, the press quite. put up, they go, nope, you're on your own, boys. Uh, indeed. Um, yes, I quite like the um, the independent councillor elected in the Highlands last week on a manifesto of giving £5,000 to five local schools if he's elected. Uh, he got elected and then a week later said, yeah, no, not really, I'm off, and quit uh, causing a by-election, which must be some sort of record for the quickest by-election 
in history and um, just points up the sort of idiot who spends weeks trying to get a job and then walks straight back out of it after a matter of days or weeks. Uh, what sort of an idiot would do something like that? Um, <laughs> well, it's not entirely similar to the, um, the Tory that's just won the morality of um, Tees Valley who obviously didn't think he had a hope in hell, so ran on a manifesto purely of nationalising the airport. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. yes. And now he's going to have to somehow put this utterly bonkers policy into uh, to fruition somehow, which is completely out of his control, a non-devolved issue. Um, yeah, good luck. Not utterly bonkers, of course, because there is a nationalised airport in Scotland. There is, of course, in Wales as well. They have the power to do it. Yeah, the, the, the Welsh um, government nationalised um, Cardiff, but of course that was within their remit. More importantly, he's the nephew of Keith Houghton of uh, 1987 FA Cup final fame. The Coventry player Keith Houghton. I did not know he that. He scored the winner, didn't he, in the final? Yes, 87, yeah. Keith Houghton that scored the winner. Um, that's the most interesting thing about him as far as I'm concerned. So Barry Gardner is our first stupid guy of the week, I think, probably wins that one. That sums up the first election special. It's been uh, an experience. The sound quality was unfortunate. I apologise for that. Uh, And indeed, there's quite a bit of background noise. Next week, we will find a quiet spot and I will uh, make sure my microphone is working correctly. If you want to get in touch in the meantime, I am at Political Yeti on twitter i am political yeti at gmail.com on the email or you can check out my website uh, james-miller.com and you'll find all my uh, articles um, including the most recent ones about the smp if you thought there was not enough smp in the uh, podcast then by all means look on my website and you can read what i've been writing about them and yeah tune in next week for a uh, quieter and uh, less edit full podcast. Thank you.